Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. With the pandemic in full swing, the EPA is stopping work at toxic waste cleanup sites all over the country. Today on Parts Per Billion, we ask the question, what does that mean if a toxic waste cleanup site is your neighbor? Hello and welcome back once again to Parts Per Billion, the environmental podcast from Bloomberg Law. I'm your host, David Schultz. So as a result of the coronavirus pandemic, there's a lot of work across the country that's just not getting done. Hair salons are closed, department stores are closed, NBA arenas closed. And these rolling shutdowns are starting to have an impact on the environment, particularly at toxic waste cleanups known as Superfund sites. The EPA has issued guidance instructing cleanup efforts at these sites to slow or shut down entirely. Today, we're talking with reporter Sylvia Kerrigan about the impact this is having on the people who live near these sites. Sylvia, hello. How are you? I'm good, and thanks for having me on. This is one of my favorite topics to talk about. Indeed. Uh, so speaking of that, before we get into what's happening at these sites, what is a super fun site? I think I know what it is, but I'm honestly embarrassed to say that I'm not 100% sure what exactly is it? <laughs> That's okay. So uh, Superfund sites are hands down the most contaminated sites in the country. This is not just you spilling a bottle of Clorox on your bathroom floor. This is not just, you know, a fire at the local gas station. This is federal level, federal scale uh, contamination. Like the worst of the worst. The worst of the worst. This is hazardous waste that's probably been sitting around for decades and decades. It's leaching into people's drinking water maybe, or maybe it's getting released out into their air, maybe it's in the soil. So um, these are cleanup projects that are so big that uh, your city, your state, your county can't really afford the resources or the funding to uh, clean it up. They have to go to the EPA, uh, bring in the big guns and uh, get federal resources to deal with it. And let's talk briefly about where this this pollution came from. I mean, I guess it could come from anywhere, but you know, when I think of sites like this, I think of like a chemical plant that closed down or a factory that, that you know, polluted uh, uh, an area for a long time. But it sounds like it could be even much more than that. Sure. So in a lot of cases, it is an abandoned factory. Maybe they didn't have adequate waste cleanup practices in place when they closed down because maybe that was back in the 30s or the 50s or, you know, a long time ago. Um, but there's also things like uh, massive spills that turn into super fun sites. So like accidents. Accidents, for example. Yeah. 
Um, if you remember the Gold King Mine spill a few years ago, that site was actually already a super fun site, but now it's even more complicated because all of the acidic mine waste that spilled out into the, uh, the watershed. It's a super, super, super fun site. (laughs) It's very complicated. Yes. Um, it sounds like some of these sites are former commercial sites, but it could also be like a military site or like the government-owned land that could be a Superfund site, right? Sure. So there are lots of former um, government facilities like Air Force bases, for example, where maybe they used a lot of um, chemicals, maybe they used firefighting foam, maybe they brought in um, pesticides, you know. There's all kinds of different things that the military has needed over the years. And depending on disposal practices at the time, maybe it was dealt with in an environmentally safe way or maybe not. And then really quickly, why exactly is it called Superfund? Again, I really should know this and I'm embarrassed to say that I don't. I wish people asked this question more because a lot of people don't know. And they're just like, why? Why is it a fund? I, honestly, I was pretending like I knew. but I, I... <laughs> It is literally a trust fund. So there is a big pot of money uh, that the federal government has. This used to be filled by a tax on the petroleum and the chemical manufacturing industries because the thought was uh, these industries are more more likely to pollute in the first place. And if you tax the polluters, then eventually that tax money, that revenue goes into the cleanup eventually. So through the early 1990s, that worked out. There was eventually four billion dollars in the super fund uh but the tax expired and by the early 2000s we spent it all so <laughs> so is the, is there actually a fund or is it there is actually a fund it's uh it relies on congress to allocate funding now it's usually at about a billion dollars but there is an actual fund it's pretty super depending on who you ask <laughs> so that's where the name comes from got it okay so let's talk about where these sites are, because that's actually sort of gets at the issue that, that we're really focusing on. Uh, you had previously reported that more than two thirds of these sites are within a mile of federally subsidized or federally run public housing projects. That's a pretty stark number. What, what's going on here? Why, uh, do it seem, why does it seem like these sites are clustered around public housing projects? Or is it the reverse? Is it the, that the housing projects are clustered around Superfund sites? it's different in every case. So when the federal government wants to build public housing, they're not looking for the most expensive land that they can find. They're looking for something affordable. And sometimes real estate is more affordable because there's something undesirable about it. Like maybe it's next to train tracks or maybe it's next to an abandoned warehouse or an abandoned uh, chemical manufacturing facility or something like that. So the government's more likely to choose those kinds of sites rather than like Palm Beach, Florida, for example. So um, that's why some public housing uh, ends up near Superfund sites because later they'll find out that there was some underlying contamination that they didn't think to look for, you know, maybe 40 or 50 years ago when they were initially citing the project. Um, but now they're starting to find that the, there's things in the soil, like in East Chicago. Yeah. Um, there was lead in the soil that became an issue for them. Um, and that's also a public housing development. So, And ultimately, like this is like a classic textbook environmental justice issue because you have people who, by definition, uh, have low incomes who are living next to ve- the most polluted sites in the country. I mean, that's, you know... 
I think that's when they invented the term environmental justice, they were thinking of this, right? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, let's uh, take a quick break now. And uh, we're going to come into the present and talk about what's happening at these Superfund sites, or rather what's not happening. Uh, Stay with us. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. You need a company with extensive experience in specialized insurance. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and helping provide coverage that suits your needs. The Hartford offers insurance solutions that help mid to large sized businesses like yours effectively manage risk from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. With extensive experience in underwriting, risk engineering services, and claims, the Hartford goes beyond the expected to deliver innovative, customizable solutions and service that your industry, that your business demands. At the Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how the Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. And we're back with reporter Sylvia Kerrigan, and we're talking about Superfund sites and the work that is or isn't going on at these sites during the coronavirus pandemic. Let's get right into it. Um, the EPA uh, issued some guidance about what should go on during these uh, quarantine times. So what did it say? Basically, the EPA is saying they're going to look at each site individually And if there is work that needs to happen on the site itself, like if they're sampling or if there's some kind of installation work that's happening, um, they're going to work with whoever's conducting the cleanup to figure out if it's still safe to go out there during the pandemic and continue that work. So it's less of a nationwide stop and more of just, you know, allowing work to continue where it's possible. And how, I mean, is there a criteria for determining if something is safe or if if it's possible to, to continue working at a given site? Um, so the EPA put out some guidance recently that just said, here are the factors that we're considering when we decide whether it's okay to keep working. And that includes things like, can social distancing still continue? Is there appropriate um, PPE or personal protective equipment um, for people to continue working in the field? That, and that's, that stuff is uh, that stuff's pretty hard to come by nowadays. Right. And usually when uh, you're doing an investigation of a site and you're not really sure what hazardous substances might be out there, uh, the first thing you do is you put on a Tyvek suit and then you go out and take samples just to protect yourself. So that's usual even outside of pandemic times. Um, so if that is not available, then that work can't continue. So um, there's just sort of a list of things that EPA considers, but there's no um, specific steps or specific, you know, guidelines or barriers to um, whether work can continue. So it sounds like it's not a nationwide stop or even a nationwide slowdown. It's just a, a, a guidance that says, like, you know, here's here are the conditions that would allow you to maybe stop cleaning up that old factory um, do we know when that will be lifted? Do, has EPA said, like, this is, we're, we're issuing this, you know, slowdown guidance and it will last for three months or two months or 
six months? Uh, I mean, the whole thing about this pandemic is that we're not really sure when it's going to be okay to go back to normal life. So I think they're just kind of taking it a couple weeks at a time. Um, there may be a point where they, the EPA feels that it's safe for the majority of people to go back in and start doing remediation, and maybe they'll make an announcement then. Uh, but for right now, it's pretty unclear. Yeah, and it, it, it's it, that was one of the things that really struck me about your story that you that you wrote on this is that it's not just unclear when this will be lifted; it's unclear even what criteria the EPA will use to determine when things are safe. Right, definitely remains to be seen at this point. So finally, let's talk about the people who this is affecting. You know, there are a lot of people who live near these sites. As you mentioned, they're often in urban areas and tend to be clustered around in low-income communities. Um, You know, what does this mean for them? Are they going to be exposed to, like, toxic substances uh, at, you know, higher levels than before? Or is this just another delay in resolving this, like, really long-standing problem in their neighborhood? So certainly EPA doesn't want to expose people to more toxic waste by stopping cleanup. So where the pollution is actively affecting people, they're going to keep working on remediation as as best uh, as they can. Um, But it is possible that emergency uh, services and first responders that are already burdened by uh, the pandemic Uh, that it might take them longer to react to something like a fire or an explosion or flood or hurricane that might spread hazardous substances um, out into that nearby community. Yeah. So it seems like it's, it's not something that where, you know, work shuts down and then all of a sudden like radiation, you know, explodes from this site, but it does sound like it creates a much riskier environment for the people living near there. And at best, it sounds like it's just a problem that you thought was going to be solved by the end of this year. Maybe it won't get solved until the end of next year or the end of 2022 or even later. Right. Especially as we get into hurricane season this year, um, that'll be something to keep an eye out for. All right. That's it for today's episode of Parts Per Billion. If you want more on how the pandemic is affecting the environment, check out our website, news.bloombringenvironment.com. That website, once again, is news.bloombergenvironment.com. Today's episode of Parts Per Billion was produced by myself, along with Josh Block and Marissa Horn. Parts Per Billion was created by Jessica Coombs and Rachel Daigle. The music for today's episode is A Message by Jazar and Upstate by Henning Schmitz. They were used under a Creative Commons license. Thanks for listening, everyone. Those nine justices in Washington, they can be pretty hard to keep track of. That's where we come in. I'm Jordan Rubin. And I'm Kimberly Robinson. On our podcast, Cases and Controversies, we give you a week-by-week accounting of the Supreme Court. The filings, the arguments, the opinions, and much, much more. So check in on Fridays with Cases and Controversies to find out what's coming up on the horizon at the Supreme Court. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. 
Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.